Okay, so we are in Parshas Vayeshev. We're up to Tuesday. And what has happened so far is that Yosef Joseph is very hated by his brothers. He's feared and hated. They view him as someone who's trying to kill them, either to get their father, Jacob, Yaakov, so upset with them that he would curse them, he would remove them from the inheritance, that either physically or spiritually they would be cut out and only Joseph would be the sole heir, as they saw the pattern with Avram. To one son, Isaac, Yitzchak, and Ishmael, and then with Yitzchak, Isaac, to one son, Jacob, Yaakov, as the heir, and not Esau. And now, in their mind, Joseph, Yosef was continuing this pattern. So they truly viewed him as someone trying to kill them. And there is a law that if someone is trying to kill you, get up and kill him first. And they determined, they felt that this is what was happening, that they went and they sat and they made their tribunal court and they judged him as someone trying to kill them, so they knew they had an obligation to kill him first. And then at this point, how fortuitous, Joseph comes to them, sent by his father. Of course, he knew it was a dangerous mission because he knew what they were thinking about him, and here he is alone going to them, which obviously Jacob would also have realized, and obviously this is what God wanted that he sent him, which otherwise we'd say he would never do. And Joseph, understanding what was entailed, but also felt it was very important to show and demonstrate absolute respect for his father. This is what his father was asking. This is what he was going to do. He felt this was something the brothers were weak in, and therefore he had to stand up and be extra strong in it, even at the risk of his own life. So knowing he was risking his life and determined to strengthen this breach in respecting one's father, he goes, he follows them, he comes to where they are, and they promptly say, oh, okay. This is now the opportunity to get rid of him and determine what to do. They decide in a bloodless, so to speak, manner, they would throw him in the pit and thus he would die. So we're up to chapter 37, verse 23. It was, when Yosef, when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped Yosef of his coat, the fine woolen coat that was on him. So Rashi says the reason we have this coat coat twice, the first time it refers to the regular like undergarment coat, and then the fine woolen one is extra one, of course, a special coat that his father had given him beyond the other brothers, which had, of course, roused the jealousy and also was expressive for various reasons. And many different commentators explained how it expresses concept of him being the leader, which he understood, his father understood, and they understood. And understanding it, they were very resentful of that. Then they took him and cast him into the pit, and the pit was empty, no water was in it. So obviously that sounds quite redundant, the pit was empty and no water was in it. So Rashi says it's coming to specify that it was empty of water, but there were snakes and scorpions in it. Which obviously the brothers didn't realize because if he was thrown into a pit of snakes and scorpions and didn't die, this would have right away made them realize that he was actually righteous and what they were doing was wrong, what they didn't realize the snakes and scorpions. They sat to eat food. They raised their eyes and they saw, behold, a caravan of Ishmaelim, Ishmaelites, were coming from Gilad and the camels were bearing spices 
all these various spices on the way to bring them down to Egypt. So first Rashi translates Orchas as a caravan of, and explains the etymology of that word in Hebrew is Orech, which is the idea of traveling on the road. And then Rashi questions, why do we need to say what their camels were carrying? That seems very, very, very parenthetical to the storyline. But the point being, we see here how God is rewarding the righteous, that even though, of course, this was a very, very uncomfortable journey for Yosef, being now sold and sent down to Egypt as a slave, but God, to make it easier, instead of what the Arabs would normally carry, which is these very harsh-smelling substances, they carried spices, this one specifically, so we shouldn't be hurt by the very strong, bad smells. Now Rashi goes through all the different spices to explain what they are. First it says nachos, which Rashi says is a collection of spices. And then he brings the unculus, which says it's a wax. Three, which Rashi explains as a sap that drips from the balsam trees and says it's similar. It's actually the same thing as a word normally called nuttaf, which is one of the spices of the incense offered in the temple. And lute, which Dr. gives various points of reference, its name is lotem in the Mishnah, and the rabbis explain it as the root of an herb that's spoken of in the Talmud. Okay, so let's again remind ourselves of what's happening. The brothers want to kill him, and then they're actually convinced by Reuven, why should we get our hands dirty with blood? Let's throw him in the pit because Reuven had good intentions to come back later. He didn't want to directly confront the brothers, but hoped after the brothers would leave, he would be able to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. But in the interim, when he had to go, this caravan comes. And now Yehuda steps up, which we see here Yehuda as the, the leader. He was willing to confront the brothers directly as versus Reuven. And he's going to say, wait, what are we, why should he die? He's our brother. I mean, we, we can't have him around. We understand he could cause our death. But why don't we just find a way of getting rid of him, but at least he'd still be alive. So Judah, Judah said to his brothers, what game will there be if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let our hand not be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And the brothers listened. So, Rashi says, what, what gain means, like, what financial gain are we going to have in this? And it's so silly from just to die. Um, and we'll cover up his blood, meaning not literally covering his blood, because, of course, the brothers are not planning on killing him in a way that's been a bloodshed. That was the whole idea. We're covering the pit and he'll just die there. But meaning we're going to conceal his death. So what gain is if we kill our brother and conceal his death? And the brothers listen, meaning they accepted. Listening could mean listening to hear, or listening could mean listening to accept. As we see how Targum Unclus translates it, it's they accepted his words. Okay, then it says, Midianite men, traders, passed by. They pulled and brought Joseph up from the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. Then they brought Joseph to Egypt. So here we have this very confusing situation because the verse previously said it was Ishmaelites. 
Now it's talking about Midianites, and then it's talking again about the Ishmaelites. So we go from Ishmael to Midian to Ishmael. So Rashi says the reason that we're switching the names is to show that he went through many different hands. So who was the one that actually pulled him out of the pit? They pulled him out. It's very unclear in the verse. So Rashi says they mean the sons of Yaakov, Jacob. They pulled Joseph from the pit, and they sold him to the Ishmaelites. Who sold him to the Midianites? Who brought him down to Egypt? Other commentators look at this very differently, and they say that actually the brothers were willing to sell him to the Ishmaelites because they're related, so to speak. Ishmael is the descendants of Avram, son Ishmael. And, but before they got to him, they were a bit far from the pit not to hear his cries. The Midianites got there first, and they pulled him out of the pit. And then the Midianites sold him to Ishmael, or the Midianites kept him, or various explanations of what actually happened there. Uber returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was on the pit, so he rent his garments, meaning during this time, Reuven was not there, either some say because they each had one day to go home to serve Jacob, Yaakov, and this was his day, again, God's hands, that he shouldn't be there because he would not have allowed that to happen because, again, in his head, he was planning on coming back and rescuing him. He understood this was wrong. He understood this would cause their father so much pain. But he, he didn't feel he could stand up to them, so he was going to do it in this around-the-back way, but it did not work out because God wanted it differently. Or others say that he wasn't with the brothers at the pit because he was going privately to continue his repentance, which he did his whole life, for having rearranged the beds of his father after the passing of Rachel of Rachel. So Reuben comes back and he was truly mourning. He rent his garments because what's going to happen now at this point when Joseph is gone, he turned to his brother and he said, the boy is gone and I, where can I go? Meaning, where can I go? Where can I flee from our father's pain? Our father's going to be in such pain now. What did you do? What did we do? What are we going to do? So they had to now come up with some plan because they didn't want, of course, they had to find out what happened and they had to make something plausible happen. So they took Joseph's tunic, the coat, and they slaughtered a male of the goats and they dipped the coat in the blood. So they took a male goat because Rashi says its blood resembles that of a person. So in the Hebrew, the word for coat here is vocalized the vowels are different than we've seen it so far. Kutinus instead of kitinus. Because all the other times so far it's always attached to another word, so it became possessive, like Joseph's coat. The linen coat. Then it's kitona or kitona. But here it's not connected with anything else. It's not possessive. So therefore the vocalization is different, it's kutinus. So they sent the fine woolen coat and they brought it to their father and said, we found this. Identify it, please. Is it your son's coat or not? So in other words, they took the coat, they dipped in the blood, and now they're sending it to their father saying, is this, is this Joseph's coat? He recognized it and he said, my son's coat, an evil beast devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. So he's identifying this. Yes, this is my son's coat. He said that the evil beast devoured him so actually this is prophecy because this evil beast is really 
a reference to the wife of Potiphar is going to happen. He sold to Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife goes to devours him and causes him to be thrown in prison in Egypt for many, many years. So then Rashi questions, why did God not tell Jacob that Yosef was alive? So they give an answer that the brothers made a ban and cursed anyone who would reveal it. And they made God part of this ban. It says that Isaac knew that Joseph was alive, but he said, if God's not telling Jacob, how can I? Then Jacob rent his garments and placed that cloth on his hips, and he mourned for his son many days. Many days was actually the entire amount of time that Joseph was separated from him, which was 22 years. So for the next 22 years, he mourned. We're told that God has a special comfort. He gives mourners. After a while, people find peace inside of themselves. They forget the intensity of their grief. They move on, so to speak. But by Jacob, he wasn't given this comfort because Joseph was alive. So his grief remained as intense for the entire next 22 years. And Rash explains that these 22 years are because Jacob was away from his father for 22 years. Remember, seven years working for Rachel, another seven years for Rachel, six for the sheep, finishing off his spiritual service there, and it took him a year and a half, two years, traveling from love until he came back to his father. So he knew he was going to have to pay for these 22 years, and this is how he had to pay, just as he was not with his father, his most precious son was not with him. Now, how does Rashi know it's 22 years of separation? Because Joseph at this point is 17. That's what the verse told us. And we know he's 30 when he's by Pharaoh. And then we have seven years of plenty in Egypt. And then we have two years of famine until Jacob comes. So based on this, if you add the figures, when um, Jacob came, Joseph, Joseph was 39. In other words, it was 22 years later. All of his sons and all of his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and he said, I will go down to the grave mourning over my son. And his father cried for him. His father here means Isaac. Yitzhak cried for Jacob. So first, Rashi questions, who are these daughters? So we have two opinions. Um, so the only daughter we know of as it was explicitly written, is about Dina. So some say that twin sisters are born with each tribe, and they intermarried, meaning uh, the sons of Leah's daughters, well, the sons of Leah would marry the twins born to Jacob's other wives, like Rachel, or Zilpah, or Bilhah, and the boys of Rachel, or Zilpah, or Bilhah would marry Leah's daughters. So this is how they intermarried. Others say, no, these were Kanani women, but they're the daughters because a daughter-in-law is considered like a daughter. But he, could, he wouldn't be comforted because, as I just explained, you can't take comfort for someone who's living, only for someone who has passed away, but he was still alive, so he wasn't comforted. He said, I'm going to go down mourning over my son. It sounds like to my son, but Rashi explains the Hebrew L2 is like the Hebrew Al, 
on regarding my son. So simply he means he's going to be buried in mourning. He can't be consoled. Or he's saying, I received this sign from God that if none of my sons pass away in my lifetime, I won't see the purgatory. But if but if they do, who knows? Which, of course, it seems like a very cool setup from God, but it was all part of the plot. Even though he was told this many years before, it was all part of the plot because now, again, he's saying I'm going to be mourning my whole life. He's feeling this intense grief for the next 22 years. And, of course, obviously Jacob was smart enough to figure out and say, wait a minute. If someone passes away, after a while you have comfort. After a while, you, you, God gives you this gift. So why for 22 years am I still feeling the same intensity of pain? It must be that Joseph is alive. So Jacob could have also figured out that Joseph was alive. So therefore, God, to make sure that route didn't open up, had earlier told him, if none of your sons pass away in your lifetime, this means... So therefore now, at this moment, when possibly it seems to him that his son passed away, which would mean now perhaps the sign means he's going in that direction, purgatory. So, therefore, this would be a reason for him to be in such pain. And therefore, he wouldn't think, wait, wait, something's fishy here. It must be that Joseph is alive. No, I'm in such pain because now I have this great, seemingly from what God said to me, it's a sign I could be going in that direction. And that, that probably is why I have all this pain. And it says his father cried for him, which is, Isaac, Yitzhak, was crying because of Jacob's pain. In other words, he wasn't mourning over Joseph because he knew Joseph was alive. But he was mourning because he saw in how deep was the pain of his son. And now we're going back for him to Joseph. Now the Midianites had sold him to Egypt. Remember, that was how Rashi understood the switch of Ishmaelites and Midianites and Ishmaelites. So the Ishmaelites sold him to the Midianites, sold him to Egypt, to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the officer over the tabachim, which are those that slaughter the king's animals, as Rashi explains it. Others say it's an executioner. 